Good Thursday afternoon. The Tony G Show. That's Will McCormick. I'm Tony G. Hi, Will. How are you? Uh, I'm doing good, Tony. How are you doing? I'm doing great. We're both uh, both slammed with work right now, aren't it's we? It's the third week of the semester. Yeah. And we're already feeling like it's finals week. Mm-hmm. I really hope... Like, there's a couple of events that's going to take place this week, next week. Yep. And then I'll be able to relax a little bit and maybe find a habit. But I'm hoping that something doesn't come up and I'll have to stay at this pace for the next 12 weeks Better of Better knock life. on wood. Yeah, you weren't kidding. But we, nonetheless, we meet to talk Tony G Show and sports for the fourth episode of this eighth season of the Tony G Show, and I really look forward to doing it. A couple things of housekeeping before we get into today. It's a Super Bowl preview show, so it's going to be all football, uh, the, the show that we'll get into. I'll talk about that in a moment. Interviews. Mike Pan is out now. That interview is out. You can catch that on the Tony G Show, Tony G Show interviews now. Coming up is AJ Aitken. We will drop the interview with him next week. Also, Dan Lucas. AJ Aitken is the SNC women's hockey coach. Dan Lucas is a member of the faculty here in the front office of the athletics department. So he will be the week after. So we have a full three weeks planned out of February interviews. So keep in touch with the Tony G Show at Willis5312 at Tony G Nation on Twitter. TonyGNation.com for all of the latest stuff from the Tony G Show. Also, Will, I want to mention this as a welcome story, if you will. Something to talk about right here at the top. Last night, there was a basketball game for the men's basketball team here at St. Norbert College. And I had the call. Um, my broadcast partner last night was Johnny Tim. We had a great broadcast, had a great call. But a even better game. Mm-hmm. This is a game... You know, it's all over social media afterwards from the athletic department, from the players, from fans, people tweeting out videos from the broadcast, Instagram. I I had one of the best, I'm willing to say that was a top two broadcast in my career last That's night. awesome. And I'm, you know, I, I'm gonna, I haven't watched the film of it yet. Yeah. Very busy time, but I hope to do that at some point this weekend before the Super Bowl. And the point is... I'm willing to bet that after I watch that, it's a top one. It is the best broadcast I've ever done. You got to watch through it though first. And, and I do have critique. to watch through it before I can officially deem it. Yeah. But just off the, I mean, just feeling afterwards, the aftermath type of emotions that came with. I think that was a top two broadcast in my career. The UW Oshkosh game was probably number one. I was solo for that broadcast for the men's basketball game. That was 2019 before COVID was ever even a thing. Mm-hmm. And then. I think three, I think I had a pretty good call of a, of a football game this season. But that, that would be number three. But regardless, maybe a, a baseball game up there. But this one was a top two type of broadcast. So once I get it done, I'm going to try to make clip. I'm not good with video stuff, so I don't know. I'll have to figure out a way to put this into a video and make a demo. <laughs> but this is a game that I'm going to take and put into my career portfolio. I had a lot of compliments after the game. and. People who listen to the broadcast saw the highlights, so I thank them for that. But that's a broadcast that I'm going to try to make a highlight reel out of and put onto the to TonyGNation.com as a uh, highlight tape for myself and the basketball game. Just wanted to throw that out there to, to introduce this story in this uh, this episode. One of the best broadcasts I've ever done. So I hope to continue that. You know, that's that's the standard. The trend, yeah. I mean, it was a good game, so I can't, you know, I can't have a top broadcast of a game that's 100 to 75. You know, I, I need to have a good game where it's back and forth, much like yesterday was. So, 
with that being said, we'll get into uh, previewing the show, but just keep keep checking on TonyGNation.com at TonyGNation on Twitter. I'll start releasing out some information, some more stuff about broadcasting and all that. So thanks for all the support. Happy to have a great game. Happy to be a broadcaster of Green Knight Athletics. Let's get to business. Let's do it. This is our Super Bowl preview show. Super Bowl 56 takes place this weekend on Sunday. So here's how the show is going to go down. We will open talking about the Cincinnati Bengals, the season they've had, the stats they've had, some of the stars on their team. We'll go into coaches, team identity, and then we'll switch over to the Rams and we'll do the exact same thing. Stats, weapons, coaches, and team identity. And then when we're done looking at these two teams, we'll put them together. We'll make our predictions. And I even have, you know how I do the three post-game thoughts? I have three po- pre-game thoughts. Mm. Before I release them to the Twitter world, I will do that Sunday before the Super Bowl. You will hear them first right here on the Tony G Show. There you go. Three pre-game thoughts for Super Bowl 56. And then to cap off the show, I will predict. Will, 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 will. Will will predict. <laughs> My mind didn't want to say that. It was like, no, no, no. You're yeah. saying will twice. Stop that. Hold on now. <laughs> it, can, it can trip people up sometimes. It can. Change your name. Work on that for me. In the yeah, I will. Okay. Well, I can't think of a, a nickname yet. We haven't done that. I've come up with a few. You've never liked any of them. <laughs> we'll some, think of it in the last episode. Some of them I can say on air. Some of them I can't. That's you true. You never like any of them regardless. That's true. <laughs> I mean, you could bleep it out. You can say it if you want. But well, what kind of a nickname would it be? I'm here with bleep. You know, <laughs> no one would. Know, everyone would just know you as That's bleep. That's, That's not true. what I want you to be known as. I want you to be known by the actual word. If we're gonna go that far, you know what That's I'm saying? True. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's bleep. I'm Tony G. It's the Tony <laughs> G Show. You are listening to the eighth and final season of the Tony G Show. Eight seasons of laughs, memories, and sports are coming to an end. Follow the show on Twitter at Willis5312 and at Tony G Nation. Check out more from Tony G at TonyGNation.com. Now, along with Will McCormick, here's your host, Tony G. Super Bowl 56 preview. It's the only thing we're going to be talking about today. In the past, I think we've talked about other sports, this or that, you know, whatever. But... It's the Super Pod. This is the Super... Oh, the Super TGS. The Super Show. Mm-hmm. The Super Show. Super Show. Okay. I like where we're going with this. Super Bowl 56 preview. It's going to be super. Cincinnati... <laughs> Are you still That's here? That's you're, sti- you're still around on the show, yeah. huh? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> how many times have I tried to fire you? Uh, I mean, how many times? We have to go back and listen. How many times I've said, you're fired. Make a compilation of it. You're out. This is Will's last episode. You Catch him while he's here, because he's not going to be here much longer. You're going to have to listen to a lot of episodes, because <laughs> probably every episode. And you still keep coming around, dropping jokes like that. Super Will. There's your, there's mm-hmm. your nickname. No. Okay. Bengals, Rams, that is our Super Bowl for Super Bowl 56. And looking at how the AFC and the NFC championship games were playing out, Rams, 49ers, Bengals, Chiefs, this was, deep and down inside, this is what I wanted. I wanted Bengals and Rams. I can root for either side. I have reasons to root for either side as a valid fan of football. Mm-hmm. This is like totally new. Yes. Uncharted territory. We're not having a 15 or 30-minute segment talking about Tom Brady. I've never seen the Bengals in the Super Bowl. In the last two decades, it's been Steelers, it's been Chiefs, it's been Patriots. 
Something and new. F- finally, a change of pace. It's nice to finally get here. Mm-hmm. In the NFC, it's not the Buccaneers with Tom Brady. It's not I, – do I mention Packers? I mean, it's it's yeah. that's a different reason that you'd be rooting for it, I suppose. Right. But – it's not this. It's not like the Seahawks after their couple of years back to back, you know, Super Bowls or whatever. It's this is completely new. Rams, Bengals. Let's start by breaking down Cincinnati's point of view and the Bengals' perspective. They have zero Super Bowl wins. One of the twelve NFL franchises to have never won a Super Bowl in the history of their franchise. They've been there twice, nineteen eighty two and nineteen eighty nine. They lost both of them. So how is this season different? Remember, they didn't win a, a, a playoff game for 30 years. One of the longest droughts in professional sports ever. So they finally get a win. They beat the Raiders at home. Move on. Beat the Titans. A game where Joe Burrow got sacked nine times. That's a lot. You, you hear me? Nine times? I mean, that's like video game numbers. Mm-hmm. So they go beat the Titans. Then they play the Chiefs in Kansas City, one of the hardest places to play in the world. And they knock off Kansas City and Pat Mahomes and Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill and Andy Reid and all the talent and coaching that you can imagine on the Kansas City Chiefs, the team that is. And in all three of these games, the Cincinnati Bengals were underdogs. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's true for the Raiders, but, you know, the underdog narrative is there for the Bengals that they're not going to go to a Super Bowl. Right. They, They win the first one. Okay, that's awesome. Yeah. Second game, Titans, they're probably going to lose. Mm-hmm. Win that one. It, it, they just have that. They're not like the strongest team. Air quotes are on that because they Correct. are one of the last ones left. Well, the point is there that they're not one of the most popular team, one mm-hmm. of the most experienced teams. They're a young team. We'll get into that when we look into their team profile later on in this segment. But So the Bengals beat the Chiefs, and they get into the Super Bowl. Tony G does his homework, and that will be present all throughout this episode. I like to say it, but I think I'll just say this once and stop because I do my homework. Going to be mentioning a lot of stats throughout the course of this show. The Bengals, this season, 2021 to 2022, Super Bowl in 2022. The seventh best scoring offense, the seventh most passing yards. On the other side, Middle of the pack defense, 17th overall defense. When it comes to stats, you combine everything, scoring, yards, giving up everything. 17th overall defense. Individual weapons that we will see, and here's the important thing to mention, in order of potential impact on the game. So the order that I'll do the same thing for the Rams. The order that I mentioned these guys for the Bengals will be how I think that their potential to have an impact on the game will measure out. You ready? Mm-hmm. Joe Burrow's not going to be mad. The quarterbacks aren't within these individual weapons because they're a separate category. They're quarterbacks. We all know who Joe Burrow is. Individual weapons. Of course, we got to mention Jamar Chase. 1,455 receiving yards. He is the fourth most in the NFL. Third most receiving touchdowns at 13. He's reached – you ready for this stat? Mm-hmm. He's reached a total of 21.74 miles per hour that he did on a 72-yard touchdown reception, which was the 10th fastest speed that was reached this season. So you talk about the speed of Tyreek Hill. Yeah, that's... This is Jamar Chase running over 21 miles an hour. And that's 10th. <laughs> and that's 10th fastest. That's I mean, that's incredibly fast, but i just thinking who's faster than that. Well, Anyways. Uh, MVS, the Packers wide receiver, was second on this list. Mm. So just worth uh, food for thought there. But on that same 72-yard touchdown reception, he had 61 yards after the catch. 
which was the most, or excuse me, sixth most yards after the catch on a single play this season. So he's fast, big playability. Uh, there was a separate play where he had 76 yards after the catch on an 82-yard touchdown reception, which was the second most on a single play. So point is, this guy is pretty dynamic. Jamar Chase is someone who can he, – he's kind of like the Debo Samuel of the, the AFC or the Cincinnati Bengals because he can catch, he can go deep down the field, he has that big play ability, but he can be used as a running back, he can be used – uh, behind the line of scrimmage, motion from one side to the other. He's very dynamic in his play. He's speedy. He's quick. He has that separation ability that once the ball is snapped, you really have to watch what he's doing. You can't get lax on any play because you never know when Jamar Chase is the hot route and going to be the guy that beats you. Even if he's not the hot route, even if he's not the number one option within the play design that is going to be ran by the Cincinnati Bengals, Jamar Chase is... Always going to have that ability to get the ball in his hands, and once he does that, look out because it's going to take a lot to bring him down. It's going to take a lot to catch up to him, but a lot to bring him down as well. And I believe, was it Jamar who said that, you know, he, he feels that the connection that him and Burrow have, they could be on an Adams and Rodgers type of level? Yeah. So, I mean, I kind of doubted that when he said that at first. Or not doubted, but just it felt like an exaggeration, but they do seem to have a crazy good connection. Well, they're both LSU guys. They both you know, won national championships with each other. They both know each other well, and now they're in the NFL playing with each other, just like they're kids in a backyard. Mm -hmm. I mean, they have that chemistry that, you know, when I think of chemistry on a football field, I think of Brett Favre holding up Donald Driver or something yep. after a touchdown catch. That's similar to what this is. I mean, Joe Burrow's not Brett Favre. He's not going to do that little kid, you know, tackle you thing. Mm -hmm. But it's that same ability that once they get into the sideline and talk about, you know, what happened on that last play, or they get into film study, they're on the same page always. Yeah. Always. And without that chemistry, I mean, you can have Jamar Chase on your team, but without that chemistry, they would not get to a Super Bowl. I mean, it's like, insert insert Odell Beckham instead of Jamar Chase. <laughs> right. You're not going to get to a Super Bowl that way just because your offense isn't going to be that impactful, that mm -hmm. explosive with Jamar Chase and or Odell Beckham in this case for this hypothetical, and Joe Burrow, if they're not on the same page. And I remember when they drafted Jamar, and I was like, what are they doing? Because I, I thought for sure they were going to go lineman. Oh, and I, I'm yeah. just reflecting on that, how wrong I was. <laughs> <laughs> See, you say that, but the stats we're going to get into a little later into this show show how badly they need offensive linemen. True. Their offensive That's line true. is beat up, and we'll get there in a second. But yeah. you're right. I, I think when, you could argue. When they added Jamar Chase, the point is there that is this guy going to have that Randy Moss ability? Right. And I think it's turned out that he has. Yeah. He, his, his talent and ability has far outshined what they would have gained from, an, from a, a lineman. Correct. Next, impactful weapon that I think will have a potential influence on how this game turns out, for the Cincinnati Bengals specifically, is Joe Mixon, who this season had the third most rush yards in the NFL at just over 1,200 and fourth most rushing touchdowns at 13. He's speedy, he's patient, and he has that vision that you need as a running back. When I think of vision or patience, I think of someone like a Le'Veon Bell in his prime. Or I think of, you know, Adrian Peterson was known for his strength and his, his power, but he still was patient behind the line of scrimmage, finding where that hole is going to develop and hitting that with the lineman. And that's sort of what Joe Mixon is. He's not this head-over-heels strong man like an Adrian Peterson or a Derrick Henry that's going to bowl you over. He's quick. But he's not a Tyreek Hill type of quick. He, you know, he doesn't have that type of, of speed and that type of 
that power and acceleration. He's fast, don't get me wrong, but he's not that next tier level of, holy cow, this guy's running over 20 miles per hour on every run. Joe Mixon, to me, what really makes him special is that patience, is that vision for the field, finding where holes are going to develop, and capitalizing for every single yard that he can get. Joe Mixon is going to have a fair chance to impact this game. And these stats, I think, are more indicative than just Joe Mixon being a good running back. They show and portray how much the Cincinnati Bengals use Joe Mixon, when they use Joe Mixon, inside the red zone. Whether there's seven in the box or ten in the box, they're going to go to Joe Mixon if they feel like they need to, or if it's what their play developed or, or however their game plan plays out. Joe Mixon is a huge part of their game plan. It goes without saying, but these stats, I just want to say that, that it shows me that it's more than just Joe Mixon being good. It's a trust in the Cincinnati Bengals with Mixon. What is this, his like fifth year now? Fourth, fifth, maybe sixth year? He's been around for some time. He has experience. He's healthy. And they use him when they feel as though it's necessary. It's not something where they're going to go get a second running back. Samaj P. Ryan is the second string. They're not going to go use a fullback. They're not going to do this trickeration stuff. They're going to give it to Joe Mixon and let what Joe Mixon does best. The next impactful player is more than just a player. I actually do this with the Rams, too. The defensive line of Cincinnati, I think, is worth mentioning. You look at guys like Trey Hendrickson, Sam Hubbard, and B.J. Hill. I love B.J. Hill. I got to be honest, I wasn't so much in love with him through the course of the regular season or the rest of his career. Really, this playoff season has really started to remind me. I'm going to make a connection with B.J. Hill and another player in a minute. Yeah. But I, it's really been the playoffs Kinda, that he's come on hard and, and like it's brought back some like it's it's enlightened you exactly yes I think you know yeah. where I'm going with this too. yeah of uh, who I'm right going to compare him to either way Trey Hendrickson 14 sacks Sam Hubbard seven and a half B J Hill five and a half with those just those three guys they combined for 27 sacks of the Cincinnati Bengals defense so it's a very and I think we saw them best in the playoffs. They're a motivated team. They're a strong and motivated defensive line. I think that this is a defensive line that can cause havoc to a Los Angeles Rams unit that has some injuries, that isn't necessarily youthful. You think of guys like Andrew Whitworth, who's like 60 now, and Matthew Stafford, which has also been beat up throughout the course of his career. This defensive line, starting with these three, Hendrickson, Hubbard, and Hill, could have a very huge impact on the Super Bowl. And not to mention something that a lot of people don't know because he was on IR most of the season, but former Packer Mike Daniels is also on this Bengals squad. That's true. He, I, I don't, you know, he hasn't played much this season because of injury, I believe, but he was elevated at some point during the playoffs. And so he's also somewhere on their bench for their defensive line. Larry Ogunjobi is also on the IR as you bring up injuries. Larry Ogunjobi is someone who. Uh, it had a big impact. I think he has more sacks than B.J. Hill. I think he's also at seven and a half, I want to say. Mm-hmm. I did the stats. I didn't put him on here because he had he's on the uh, injured reserve. But he's just another name to show that the Bengals are really starting to emphasize the pass rush on the defensive mm-hmm. side, and it's worked out for them. So those are weapons, uh, three weapons that I think are going to have a huge impact on this game in order of potential. Jamar Chase, Joe Mixon, and the defensive line, or the pass rush in general, but specifically that defensive line of the Cincinnati Bengals. 
Around the rest of the team, a quick look at special teams before we meet their head coach and quarterback. Uh, special teams, their kicker is Evan McPherson. And here's the thing with him. He's got a big leg. He has a field goal percentage of 85%, which isn't, you know, it's top 15 in the NFL. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that cuts he, top 10, but he's, he is, uh, he's a pretty good kicker nonetheless. I don't want that to take away from anything from him. Yeah, I mean, he's the reason why they've had this playoff run. I believe in every playoff game. Now, don't quote me on this, but I believe he was 4 for 4 in every playoff game, which is huge. Yeah. But you're right. The consistency throughout the season when you're looking, when you, you know, when you, we push it to the full season, there's a little bit of worry there. But also, the most part of it was that Packer game. Yes. You remember when Mason Crosby missed like 19 kicks? And yeah. Then, uh, Evan McPherson missed 20, and the right. Packers came away with the win because of one of them. But I'm exaggerating, of course. The point is, his long is uh, 58. So he's got a big leg. Yeah. He's a young guy, too. And remember, there's that story where he kicked them to a victory. And before he left the sideline, he said to Joe Burrow, looks like we're going to the AFC Championship game. Mm-hmm. And Joe Burrow knew right away, this kid means business. Yeah. In this game, in this kick, he made the kick against the Titans, sent them to the AFC Championship game. Or maybe that was the Super Bowl. Either way, Either Ice way. Veins called it Babe he, Ruth style, pointed he, it out. <laughs> he kicked a, that game-winning field goal against the Titans. I remember that because that was the week that there was like three uh, game-winning kicks, one of them yeah. against the. Packers, oh, he did. He but, did an yeah. OT as well with with the with the Chiefs. I mean, he is the reason why they're here right now. Yeah, essentially. Well, there's a lot more to it, obviously. <laughs> yeah. But I get what you're saying, though. Yeah. I mean, without him, with a kicker who doesn't make that kick, you're not here. Right. So he he is um, very important to the team. Here's the thing that uh, sticks out to me. I don't know if it'll have an impact in this game, but they are a bottom ten team in kick return, mm-hmm. in punt return, in. Uh, Kick contain. Uh, they're a bottom 10 team, special teams wise, when it comes to uh, giving the ball to the other team. We would know more than anybody that. We, uh, yes. In that, that matters. Market, uh, the Green Bay Packers play just about 15 minutes away from Tony G Studios. Yeah, we would know more about that than anybody else. Yep. Blocked punts, they hurt. <laughs> you just had to go there. <laughs> I know. You? you had to bring up I the know. memory. Whatever. You know, that, it is something that worth mentioning, though, because you mm-hmm. do need that in order to accomplish your dreams. Yeah. It might be an overlooked part, but you know, if you spend time well, tinkering with things, you know, maybe you you prevent a mistake that costs you a game. Yeah, I think we said last episode. <clears> you start. <throat> excuse me. You start. You know, opponent starts at the forty yard line. Yeah. Yeah, it's hard to hard to win games. The defense just gets tired out because yep. it's you know how are you supposed to stay motivated when they only have sixty yards to go to score a touchdown? Yeah. And you're doing your best to contain them, but I mean, they start every drive from the 40 yard line, right. from midfield. The whole almost. the whole bend don't break or bend but don't break, yeah. kind of idea really goes out the window. I mean, you can bend, you give them 30 yards, and they got an attempt on a field goal. Exactly, exactly. I mean, even less than that, you give them 20, and they're right. at the 40. If you have Evan McPherson who can make a 58 yarder, that's points on the board. Mm-hmm. So it is worth mentioning. I do mention special teams as well for the Rams. Meeting the quarterback. Let's go quarterback. I was going to go head coach, but I'll go quarterback. Joe Burrow, someone who I've absolutely fallen in love with. Remember when I did the top three QBs? That was episode number two in uh, season eight, where I ranked the top three quarterbacks in the AFC. I put Joe Burrow number one. He's an efficient quarterback. He is a talented quarterback. He is a composed quarterback. He's likable. He's likable. He's yeah. durable. Mm-hmm. What? Tell me, what isn't there to like about Joe Burrow? It's so weird. It's so yeah. difficult 
And now I'm just kind of brainstorming ideas here instead of and getting away from football, but that's okay for the time being. It's so difficult to have his aura, mm-hmm. his confidence, and not come off as arrogant to the point where people don't like him. Yeah. He's doing this all while people are like are falling in love with him in unison, me included, where I'm like, this guy is going to be something special for the next decade, five to ten years in the AFC, in the NFL. Looking at some of these stats, uh, Joe Burrow, over 4,600 yards, uh, 34 touchdowns, completion percentage over 70, around 70.5%. So he's, he's someone who's going to have a good game, I believe. He is susceptible with this young sophomore season that he's in mm-hmm. to throw the turnover, uh, to throw the interception. He's done that 14 times in the regular season. He's going to throw maybe one a game. Maybe you know he'll, he'll have a game with two. He needs to play clean, and he needs to play quick yep. against this Rams defense in front seven. We'll talk about that more in a moment, but that's Joe Burrow. Bengals quarterback. Head coach, Zach Taylor, 16-32-1 in his third season. He is 3-0 and in the playoffs. This is his first Super Bowl. Here's the thing with Zach Taylor. I was looking him up. And did you hear that record I said? 16-32-1. His first season, they were 2-14. and Everybody's like, who the heck is this guy? Get mm-hmm. If this is Shan- Shad Khan out in Jacksonville, he's gone. Then he follows it up with another lackluster year, I think 5-11 and 11 or something like that. And then you follow up this year, get into the playoffs as a wild card team. I don't mean wild card. I mean like wild card round. I should have right, clarified right. there. Right, right. Like a, like, a wild card round team. They didn't yeah. have the first team, the first round by, so they're in with that grouping. I don't want to hear it on <laughs> from Tony G Nation. Hey, you said they're a wild card. I know. All right, I watch. Just mm-hmm. shut your trap for a second. All right, and then Zach Taylor is one of these young coaches who the NFL is falling in love with, the Matt LaFleur, the Kyle Shanahan, the Sean McVay, someone who's not 60 years old and has been coaching for 40 years. They went out and got a young guy, analytics-driven, someone who knows the ins and outs of the game as well at the same time. Zach Taylor, I've always liked him. I never said I never said that the Bengals needed to move on from Zach Taylor. There was speculation he's not the guy to make this work in Cincinnati. There are some things that... You know, just some signs that are showing their head that make it seem as though this isn't going to work in Cincinnati with Zach Taylor. I was never on that kick. You know, I wasn't in love with him. I wasn't out here, fight, you know, fighting on his behalf. But I was never like, he needs to go. He's not the guy to make this work. So that is the case with Zach Taylor. Again, his first Super Bowl appearance. So we've met the quarterback. We've met the weapons. We've met the coach. We've met the special teams. Now, what's the team's style? Like, what do I see when I watch a Cincinnati Bengals football game? They're a young team, they're a quick team, and they're a bold team. Those are three words that I use to describe them, as well as scrappy. Mm-hmm. It's worth mentioning that they are scrappy. They almost beat Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. You know, you, you make one of those kicks, and the Packers lose that game. They're a scrappy team. They'll fight you to the bitter end. They're not going to lose. They're not going to give in when they're in Kansas City getting beat down in that first half. Mm-hmm. They're going to fight back. They're a scrappy team. Why do I say young and quick? Well, they're young and quick. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's self not really. I don't, yeah. Does that need more elaboration? No. Ch- what did I just say? Jamar Chase ran almost 22 miles per hour on one of a pl- on a on a play, and so he, they've got quickness. Joe Mixon's quick as well. Defense is quick. Quick hands, uh, fighting off offensive linemen. Joe Burrow can even scoot for a, a five yard gain if he wants to in uh, scrambling. Why do I say bold, though? This is what I wanted to elaborate on the most. 
This is a bold team. This is a brave team. This is a team that is not scared of their opponents, that is not scared to try the deep ball, that is not scared to try thinking outside of the box. This is a team that will throw deep down the field. Jamar Chase has had 82-yard touchdown receptions, 76-yard touchdown receptions, touchdown receptions in the 60s. I mean, this is a guy who will absolutely burn you deep. This is a team that's not afraid to do that. They also have guys like T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd. So this is a team that's brave, that's not scared, that will drop back to pass when Joe Burrow is getting hit time and time again, that Titans game. Mm -hmm. I mean, he got sacked nine times, and they stuck with Joe Burrow. They stuck with their game plan. They stuck with their guns, and look where it got them. They're in the Super Bowl now. So why do I say this is a brave and bold team? Because they are. And when you think of what it takes to win a Super Bowl, you got to take chances. you got to take risks. you got to give your young kicker the opportunity to go out there and kick a 58-yarder. He's drafted in the fifth round. People are like, why is he getting drafted in the fifth round? Well, yeah. this is a brave and bold team. Yeah. They're not going to fit inside the cookie-cutter mantra of a good football team. They're young. They're new. They're Different. youthful. They're going to come out, and they're going to hurt you in ways that they feel like is best for them and their team and their game plan. This is a brave and bold team. William McCormick, before I move on to the Los Angeles Rams, do you have anything else on the Cincinnati Bengals you'd like to add? Or should yeah. we move on? You have listed, and I know we didn't, didn't talk about it, but I'm going to mention... And you have listed here that part of their weakness is their pass rush. I think it's worth mentioning that while it's you know good that they're young and they have this quickness that's associated with being young, this is also the Super Bowl. Yeah. And you have to remind yourself that you know being young and playing in the Super Bowl, there's a whole different. It's it's a totally different environment. This is this is the game. This is what they think about you know as kids and when they're in college. This is this is the pinnacle of their career. Is that the right word? Yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and you just, as a Cincinnati fan, you have to hope that they don't fall under that pressure of being young in the Super Bowl, which I, I think they're certainly capable of, of overcoming that. Mm-hmm. Okay. He, that's good. I didn't really mention the weakness. I oh, forgot, didn't forget. Uh, I don't want to admit I'm a bad uh, podcast host. I'm not, but I almost forgot. I didn't really mention it because I literally have this in the note sheet. Pass rush. Is their weakness? More mm-hmm. on that later. <laughs> I have stats dug up, so I will. I'll elaborate on that. I yeah. think this is a good. There's this is a good thing to come back to and visit. There's also some other things I want to talk about, but I think once we discuss the Rams, it'll be more of a final. Yeah, once we notes. combine the two and really yeah. compare and contrast. So those are the Cincinnati Bengals. This is their third Super Bowl appearance, looking for their first ring in franchise history. How about the Los Angeles Rams on the other side? They have one Super Bowl win. They beat the Tennessee Titans 23-16 in Super Bowl 34 back in 2000. That was the Kurt Warner game where the Titans came up short. Uh, I want to say Jared Dyson was the wide receiver. Came up just like a yard short, reaching for the end zone. Would have tied it, kicked the field goal. They would have won. But that never happened. They fell up, fell up short. Kurt Warner and the Los Angeles Rams, St. Louis Rams, won the game. And the Rams have that one Super Bowl win in their franchise history. They have lost three of them. A one in four, excuse me, one in three record in four games in the Super Bowl. They lost in 1980, 2002, and 2019. That 2019 game, that was that game against the Patriots. Tom Brady got another ring. That was the really, really exciting Super Bowl. <laughs> That's the one that people build as boring. Oh. I, did, I didn't think of it as boring because I like, you know, a defensive yeah. matchup. I, I kind of right. like the back and forth. But for a casual fan who only, like, watches the Super Bowl or, like, comes back to any, you know, then it was boring for them. Mm-hmm. Regardless, that was the game. If you can recall that from a few years ago, the Patriots game was the one that the Bengals, excuse me, the Bengals, the Rams, 
uh, fell up short against. But you always kind of had a feeling they'd be back, though, and mm-hmm. here they are. So how did the season unfold for the Los Angeles Rams? They just beat the 49ers in, uh, in the NFC Championship game, advanced to the Super Bowl. The Los Angeles Rams as well. If you remember, they also beat the Cardinals at home. That was the 34-11 game in the wild card round, and then they beat the Buccaneers that back-and-forth game. They had the huge lead and then let the Buccaneers back into it with three or four fumbles, and the Bucs almost won that game. But the Rams were able to sneak out that victory with the deep pass from Matthew Stafford all the way to Cooper Cup. Matt Gay kicks that field goal, and the Rams advance to the NFC Championship game where I mentioned they beat the 49ers by a field goal. So here we are. They're in the Super Bowl. Their season to this point. Ninth best scoring offense in the league. Second most receiving touchdowns with 41. And that was only second most to the Bucs, the team they beat with 43. And the fifth most passing yards in the NFL this year. Defensively, the 15th overall defense. I found this interesting because 17th overall defense with the Bengals, 15th overall with the Rams. Mm -hmm. They're better, but but are they really that much better? Right. Both middle-of-the-pack defenses. But here's what they had going for them. Opposing quarterbacks had a quarterback rate of 83.8, which was the fifth lowest given up in the NFL this season. They have given up 17 passing touchdowns, which is the second fewest in the NFL. Pretty good defense Mm -hmm. of numbers. Middle of the pack still because of some of their secondary issues, some of the injuries that they've had, but they've added a lot of talent to that front seven. Yeah. We'll talk about that in a moment, too. Now to their individual weapons. Again, in order of impact on the game or the potential two. Of course, you got to mention Cooper Cup. And I tweeted this as a post-game thought for the NFC Championship game. I said, Cooper Cup is the type of player you want to see in a Super Bowl. You know, you always wanted to see a Randy Moss play a Super Bowl. You always wanted to see Adrian Peterson play a Super Bowl. You always wanted to see Brett Favre get back to another Super Bowl. You want to see Aaron Rodgers get back to another Super Bowl. Cooper Cup is the type of player you want to see play in a Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. If wide receivers were ever ever considered for an MVP, this would be one season to put together for Cooper Cup as an MVP candidate. Most receiving yards in the NFL, just under 2,000, 1,947. Most touchdowns, 16 receiving touchdowns. Most receptions, 145. So he took the triple crown of big th- the big three stats that wide receivers take, and he took it to himself, 145, 16 just under 2,000 receiving yards. So this is a guy who's got some talent, a guy who's good. It goes without saying that this is the type of player you want to see play in a Super Bowl. Most talented wide receiver in football. He is. Yeah, I don't know, Tony. Look at the stats. You can't tell me that he's not. Yeah, I'm not arguing that, but he's not the first receiver I take in a fantasy draft. No, you're right. Yeah, I've been saying it all season. Devontae Adams is top two, not two. Okay, so second most. <laughs> second most talented <laughs> wide receiver. A bit of a uh, audible here in the moment for the Tony G Show. You're right. Point Second is, most. he's he's good. He's one of the best in football. I decided to argue. I you know I say most because you look at those stats and you go, holy cow, this guy mm-hmm. is really putting on a show. And yeah. y- you saw it all year. Big playability, just like Jamar Chase has ability. He's quick. He's speedy. He's been one of the better wide receivers for the last three or four years. And one of these guys who is always taken in the first two rounds of an NFL uh, fantasy draft because. He's so talented, he puts up so many points, he always gets the ball in his hands, and when he does, he's quick, he's speedy, and he's elusive to make things happen. So he's one of the better wide receivers in football. The wide receiver playing behind him is Odell Beckham Jr. 
And I want to mention him because, you know, remember he came over in that Cleveland trade and he has had standout play in the playoffs. What do I mean by that? I have more statistics later in the show. I keep feeling like I'm putting things off in the podcast, but it's just I, I have them listed mm-hmm. in a chronological order in our, in our sheet here, but I will get to it later. However, Odell Beckham has had an incredible playoff run. These last three games have been the best three games in the last four or five years of Odell Beckham's career. I mean, yeah. he's really started to solidify himself again as one of the better wide receivers in the playoffs. It just... It, I don't know what it is that changed. I don't know how the game plan changed Team. for the Rams, but it's really made Odell Beckham look very good as one of the top uh, wide receivers that the, the Rams have and now currently in the Super Bowl. So he's had an outstanding playoff uh, stretch. The next, t- remember how I did this? The uh, three most impactful players. Yep. Potential to have an impact on the Super Bowl for the Bengals. The three, the third wasn't a player. It was the defense. The, front, the defensive line. I'm going to do the same type of thing with the Rams. Wide receiver, wide receiver. But then I'm going to go with the front seven. I'm only going to mention a few guys here, like Aaron Donald, Von Miller, Leonard Floyd, Greg Gaines. Can't, I'm, you know, I, I'm not, I could sit all day talking, rattling names off the depth chart to you, but you don't want that. You think about the front three and how they combined for 27 sacks did the Cincinnati Bengals defensive line. When you think about this front seven, only these front four, Aaron Donald at 12 and a half sacks. Von Miller with nine and a half. Leonard Floyd with nine and a half. Greg Gaines with four and a half. These four guys alone, not to mention just the front seven. I can't call them the defensive line because, you know, there's Leonard Floyd, Von Miller, they're linebackers, so I can't call them linebackers because, you know, Aaron Donald's a lineman. So the, this front seven, this front unit, these big guys that I've been mentioning combined for 36 sacks this year. That's pretty darn good. That's pretty impressive. Yeah. When you have two guys... At nine and a half sacks, three technically if you count Aaron Donald at 12 and a half. Right. That's a pretty dominant pass rush. Yeah. And these are guys who have some namesake around the NFL. If they became free agents, they would get about 15 teams calling their names by the next day, by the lunch break. I mean, my goodness. So this is a very talented defense that the Rams have built. Taking a look at their special teams now, Matt Gay has a field goal percentage of 94%. That's better than Evan McPherson at 85%, if you remember. Right. Uh, but a long of only 48. Which is pretty short for... This day and age of kickers? Yeah. Yes. Like 55 is, like I would say, a pretty average long for kickers. Well, do you remember there was a kick just this postseason that Matt Gay had that was short from like 48 yards, yeah. 49 yards. It was short. Mm-hmm. You don't really see that with the typical NFL kicker anymore. No. They always have the leg, but it's just the accuracy that's always the problem. Right. And so with Matt Gay to be short from less than 50 yards is surprising mm-hmm. in this day and age. But regardless, he is one of the more accurate kickers this year in the NFL with 94% on his kicks. So that's worth mentioning. And then again, same thing with the Bengals here. The Rams are a bottom 10 team in kick return average. Fifth most kick return yards that they have uh, from their unit returning kicks at just over 6,300 yards. But again, a bottom 10 team in kick return average is allowed. Same thing with the Bengals. So we'll see who has the better day returning kicks. Right. That's worth mentioning and keeping in the back of your mind. Let's meet the quarterback for the Los Angeles Rams. One Mr. Matthew Stafford. Actually, John Matthew Stafford. It's like our friend Jay Matthew Weaver. That's kind of what uh, Matthew Stafford's doing here. John Matthew Stafford. This is actually Matthew Stafford. This is a man who has played an incredible career 
guy who is in his 13th year in the NFL. Remember, there was that trade that brought him over uh, from Detroit, Jared Goff from Los Angeles to Detroit. It happened on the day that one year later, to the day, he would take the Los Angeles Rams to the Super Bowl and beating the 49ers. So just kind of a cool moment there. He's from Georgia. That's something I remember uh, because Georgia just won a national championship. So how cool would that be for Georgia? That'd be like a double, you know, double uh, bragging rights. Their team won the national championship and then one of their alumni just won and and won a Super Bowl. So that'd be awesome. But uh, regardless, he was 2011 Comeback Player of the Year, something that Joe Burrow probably will be this year. He is a pro bowler. Matthew Stafford, he went to a pro bowl once. And this year he has thrown for 4,886 yards, 41 touchdowns. 17 interceptions, which is interesting to me that the veteran quarterback Matthew Stafford has more interceptions than the young second year the second year quarterback Joe Burrow with 15 or 14, excuse me. So Matthew Stafford more throwing more interceptions but way more touchdowns at 41 and that is in part of Cooper Cup, of course. So that is the quarterback Matthew Stafford versus Joe Burrow that we will see in this Super Bowl 56. Let's meet the head coach, Sean McVay. 55 and 26 in his fifth season in Los Angeles. Technically, you know, St. Louis, Los Angeles, whatever. And Sean McVay is 6 and 3 in the playoffs. He's 0 and 1 in Super Bowls, if you remember that 2019 year. So Sean McVay is kind of this guy who has changed the game of football coaching, if you think about it. This is, he's now playing in his second Super Bowl in five years of being an NFL head coach. Head coaches around the league are coming from him, his coaching tree. If you think about all the jobs that came from Matt LaFleur, you know, uh, Luke Getze going to be in the offensive coordinator out in Chicago. If you think about Nathaniel Hackett going all the way to to Denver. They stem from Matthew St- or from uh, Matt LaFleur. Matt LaFleur stems from Sean McVay, as does Kyle Shanahan, as does Zach Taylor. I mean, there are guys all over this league that stem from Sean McVay. He's really changed the face of coaching. He is the next generation. He is the face of this generation of NFL head coaches. He really is. Whether you like it or you don't like it, his innovative style, his energetic style, running the one, you know, the thing I don't really buy into, but he does it anyway, is running from the sideline to the end zone when his team has a big play and supporting them. You know, I could do without that. But regardless, it just goes to show his energy and the type of player that he is. Or player, type of coach that he is. So that's Sean McVay. Let's uh, take a look at the team style and the weakness. And I have an interesting weakness to mention. Team style for the Los Angeles Rams, I think they're inconsistent yet explosive. Mm-hmm. That's a good description. It is. It's, it's yeah. kind of like contradictory, but it's, it's what they are. They're inconsistent. Yeah. They can go on a stretch where they lose games that they should be winning. I remember they didn't even compete when they came to Lambeau, play the Packers. There was a game where they got beat at home by a team they shouldn't have got beat by. So the Los Angeles Rams are kind of that inconsistent play. Matthew Stafford yep. can throw interceptions, well, but they're explosive. Cooper Cup can have big plays. Sony Michelle can come out of the backfield. You never know when Odell Beckham's going to go off and have a big game. So they're inconsistent yet explosive. There was they're a lot like the the Bills actually. I forget if that was last episode or a couple ago, but there was a period of time of the season where I'm like, yeah, this team is going to win the Super Bowl, or they're going to be there. And then midway through the season, they didn't look like so much of a good team, and then kind of caught that stride again. It was uh, that top three QB episode, second episode, yeah, because I mentioned Josh Allen. And you mentioned the Buffalo Bills. Mm-hmm. And so you're right. It's that inconsistent yet explosive type of play style. That's who these Los Angeles Rams consider themselves to be. They're inconsistent because you never know when they're going to give up 31 points. But explosive. You never know when that front seven is going to get you and sack 
the quarterback three, four times a game. Here's the weakness. This is the one interesting part I want to take. I want you to mention, or uh, take a take a second to listen to me mention. I think their ego gets mm-hmm. in their way sometimes. I just mentioned how Sean McVay runs from the sideline to the end zone and celebrates with his team when when they score. Little things like that. Odell Beckham has some ego to him. Von Miller, even even though I think Von Miller is more of a genuine nice guy, yeah, he still has that ego type of thing driving him as well. So there's a lot of ego on this team that could get in their way. That's their one weakness. I want to I want to point out. Yeah, and I think, and I'm not implying here that I don't think Sean McVay is a good coach, but it seems like whenever you know the game plan starts to to go away from what he you know kind of predicted would happen. Whatever he chooses as his alternative plan, more often than not, like it feels like it flops. Yeah, and I and you kind of wonder if they suffer from like confirmation bias almost, where like they kind of seek for like the the aspect in the game that is confirming that their their type of play is working. It just it feels like whenever they lose games, it it's not that like they don't have the talent. It's just like the game plan doesn't come together. Yeah, I think that's a good way to. You know, like you know, how do they deal with that adversity? Right, and it, and uh, you wonder if that ego kind of plays into like, well, I know this is going to work. It's only a matter of time. I like what you're saying, but uh, again, that's completely hypothetical. And here, <laughs> and here, and here we are though. We've met the Bengals, we've met the Rams, and Super Bowl Fifty Six gets kicked off five thirty on Sunday between the fifteen and five Los Angeles Rams, including playoff wins, and the thirteen and seven Cincinnati Bengals. Before we get to predictions, I do have final points I want to mention. My three pregame thoughts is what I'm going to tweet out before the Super Bowl. You're going to hear them here first before I tweet them out on Twitter. Thought number one, the game will come down to how Cincinnati, the offensive line, protects Joe Burrow against that pass rush of the Rams. If the Ram- if, if the Bengals let Joe Burrow get sacked nine times or, or less, you know, if they get sacked anywhere from – if he gets sacked anywhere from four to nine times – you can't expect your offense to function at its fullest ability. You just can't have that happen. You can't have a Titan type of occurrence where you give up nine sacks. you got to protect your quarterback. This is a guy who came in as a rookie and got injured in the backfield, you know, behind the line of scrimmage because he wasn't protected. Mm-hmm. So this is where I wanted to mention. You know, we bring back the idea of when they mentioned uh, when they drafted Jamar Chase and not an offensive lineman. Well, here they are. They got their talent, and I think it was the right move. I'm not saying it wasn't, and Will Will would agree. Yeah, totally. But they need to start. I mean, especially after this year, no matter how the Super Bowl goes, there has to be some more protection for Joe Burrow. Mm-hmm. It just has to happen. This poor guy is getting beat left and right. So, again, tying it back to Super Bowl 56, the game will come down to this. And again, Tony G does his homework. I'm going to say it again the second time because stats all throughout these three post their pregame thoughts. The Rams, 50 sacks this year by the defense. The Bengals, 55 sacks given up by the offensive line. Joe Burrow's been sacked 51 of those four, 55 times. Four to their backup who played like five snaps. I mean, like right. this is this is an offensive line that really has to show up to play. Against Aaron Donald, against Leonard Floyd, Without against Von Miller, guys who have speed and ability to hit those hands out of the way, strength to overpower offensive linemen. This is what this game is going to come down to. Thought number two. Sure, Cooper Cup, you know, he is Cooper Cup, one of the best wide receivers in football, took the triple crown in the NFL for receiving yards, completions, and touchdowns. 
But what about OBJ? I just mentioned this not too long ago. He's had the three-game stretch of his lifetime, of his entire career, and it's come at the three biggest games of his career in the playoffs. Take a look at some of these stats. OBJ in the playoffs this year, 236 yards on 19 receptions, averaging 12.5 yards per reception, one touchdown, and he has an 83% catching percentage. 83% of the time the ball is thrown to him, he's going to make a catch. All best of his playoff career. He got into the playoffs in 2016 with the Giants, but this is the year for him to put it together with the Rams. He's only getting older. He's only becoming more and more irrelevant depending on how he plays, which hasn't been always consistent. But he remember, Henry, he signed with the team, came over from Cleveland. He wanted to win a Super Bowl. He wanted to go somewhere where he could contend. Packers were in the mix for him. And here he is finally playing in a Super Bowl. He's going to show it. Sure, Cooper Cup is going to show it, mm-hmm. but Odell Beckham, you can tell this kind of means something to him. Thought number three. Switching to the Bengals offense here. How healthy is C.J. Uzoma going to be? That's their tight end who got injured against the Chiefs, had to come out early. He is a big part of this offense. He will open up a lot of options for Burrow if he's 100%. Not to mention, C.J. Uzoma has 79 targets this season as a tight end. 79 targets. So he's a big part of this offense. He's currently listed as questionable. He'll play. You'd think, you'd think yeah, so. It's he'll the Super play. Bowl. It's the last season. You know, If you get injured again, you have all season, off season to think about it. Either way, if he plays, is he going to be 100%? I think how he plays and how healthy he is means a lot to this Bengal offense. He's had a big postseason for them. Mm-hmm. I think a lot depends on how the offense plays depending on if and how healthy C.J. Uzoma is. Those are my three pregame thoughts. Final points and predictions. We've reached the end of the show. I think the the Los Angeles Rams are going to pick up their second Super Bowl. I think they're going to get a victory, 33-27. This is going to be kind of like the Packers-Bengals... um, you know, field goal heavy game, but we've seen a lot of playoffs. Playoff games uh, have this impact of kicking and how field goals are going to be managed. And you know, I think this is going to come down to two or three Matt Gay field goals and two or three uh, Evan McPherson field goals. And I think the Rams are going to prevail, thirty-three twenty-seven. Now, again, I wouldn't be mad no matter who wins. This is a Super Bowl where I can root with for both sides and not find not pick apart anything. And be like, I hope they don't win. I hope both sides have a good game, and I hope for a good Super Bowl. But I think the Rams are going to come out on top. Will McCormick, your pick. Yeah. um, I know you didn't ask for it, but I'm going to give you my two cents about the whole game. (laughs) (laughs) Go for it. (laughs) I think, so a couple outside observations. It's really cool to see Stafford, who was the number one pick in 09, and we have Joe Burrow's number one pick in 2020. So we got two number one picks going after it, which is really cool to see. Yeah. Kind of the, the the side of this argument, though, with the quarterbacks, not even argument, just discussion, is that both of these guys are unexperienced at this point. And so I think the way the game is going to play out when I get to my score here is I think it's going to be kind of a shootout, and it's going to come down to what, you know, it, I think whatever quarterback has a last shot to score is going to mess it up. Mm. There'll be some sort of, you know, inexperience with just being in that environment. I'm not saying, you know, the, they know how to play the game, but just being at the Super Bowl. I like that. And so... For that reason, I think it's going to be a 24-21 to victory for Cincinnati. 
I think Matt Gay and his inability to, to you know to kick beyond the fifty yard line or fifty yeah. yards back, I think that could rear its ugly head. Um, again, though, this is the Super Bowl, and this is where stars are made. It's gonna be interesting to see that defensive line battle between uh, the Rams' defensive line and and Cincinnati's offensive line is gonna make or break the game for Cincinnati. Okay. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting. But I, I think the in- inexperience for either side could show. There you have it. I say 33-27. My partner, Bleep, or uh, Will as we call him around here, 24-21 in favor of the Bengals, I say Rams. We'll revisit it. Hey, come back on Tuesday because we'll have our uh, Super Bowl recap show on Tuesday. Yeah, you can we'll hear how right I was. There were so many things we could talk about, too. I mean, the NBA is on fire with oh, trades crazy. right now. So many big names being thrown around. Ben Simmons isn't on the 76ers anymore. Dante DiVincenzo got traded away from Milwaukee. All these things, all these pieces are in play. Oh, that's news to me right now. Yeah, well, it just happened about an hour or two before we we started recording. Not to mention that Joel Embiid had parting shots for Ben Simmons. You hear me? He didn't say goodbye. I'll miss you, brother. (laughs) Parting shots for Ben Simmons. We have to talk basketball soon. Yeah, I know. We have I, to. I don't know if we're, if we're going to talk Super Bowl all on Tuesday, but sometime next week we got to talk basketball because there is a lot of drama going on around the NBA. We'll finally get to that at some point next week. But, hey, what a good show we had. Super Bowl 56 on Sunday. No matter where you're watching in Tony G Nation, I hope you enjoy it. I hope you have fun. I hope you enjoyed listening to our Super Bowl 56 preview. Will McCormick in the corner there. That's Willis5312 on Twitter. I'm at Tony G Nation on Twitter. Give us a shout-out at TonyGNation.com. Let us know what you think of our show and our contact. For Will McCormick, I'm Tony G. We'll see you later. It's the Tony G Show.